got up, I think, to a parsa break, right? But we didn't do that. Yeah, no, we did. <clears throat> Could it be packed by Pasuk Yudalit? Yeah, I think it's cafe, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, it's cafe, it's cafe. Because Daniel prays to be able to be revealed the dream and then he has the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Dayan Aryoch. Aryoch is a person. So Aryoch is like uh, the the chief executioner or whatever. Dayan Aryoch behit bahala. An el Daniel kodamanka. So at that point, Aryoch, in a great rush, he brings Daniel in front of the king. Vachen Amarle, it's what he said to him. It's one of the people of the Benea Gola, the Jewish uh, Golim, has is going to make known to the king the uh, the explanation. So he said to Daniel, that was called Beltishatar, so he probably called him in his Babylonian name. So can you really actually uh, tell me the dream and also the interpretation? Which is, of course, a very reasonable request, as we said. So Ane Daniel Kodam Manka Ve'amarwa Zadi Manka She'el La Hakimin Ashpin Khartumin Gazrin Yachilin La Chavaya Le'malka so he says, the, what the, the secret that the king is asking, the, the, none of these chachamim and whatever they're called, I, I don't know how they translate, necromancer, or whatever they call these people in English, right? Magicians, chartumim, right? No, none of them are going to be able to answer. So notice what Daniel is doing, a very interesting thing. He's saying he's not that. Right. He's distinguishing... But why is he chachamim? What? He, he's saying... He's grouping them all together, right, like right, those groups. So nobody's going to be able to answer it. The or meaning the chachamim of Babel, the chachamim, the magician, the chartumim. There's a God of heaven who reveals secrets. See, it's Yoma, not Yuma. I told you. Yeah, the guys in the It's almost word for word. It's similar, yes, right? very, very similar. Very similar. You don't even have to say. You it. have to listen to our first two shirim. No, really, listen to the first two. We There's talked so about. We spent like so four hours doing comparisons. You said, wow. "Yes, yeah, so listen to me." And then give me bullet points because I want to write it. Um, so you said, uh, "Where was I?" Chelmach bechizvei reshach al mishkevach dinam. I understand it so much better when you read it. Really. Rather. Just reading weird Aramaic words. No, but it's because you're because you're reading with the correct punctuation. Oh, yeah. But there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and He's made known to Nebuchadnezzar. This is similar. To, this is exactly says that Hashem was Modia to Paro. The thing it's true. What's going to be the end of days? Okay, your dream and the visions of your head on your bed. This is what this is what it is. Okay, so uh, so the um, so interestingly just. We're not, it's, it's very, one of the things about the book of Daniel that makes it very difficult is that the question, I'm saying this as an aside, just to keep this in mind, what, there, there's as, there are aspects we were talking about before, the book of Daniel, that are ideas and lessons that are lessons that we can learn from the story about how a uh, Jewish chacham, 
should operate in the context of Galut. That was like most of what we talked about until now. But there's another uh, element, which is the historical, pro- like the, the prophecies about the future, about historical events, you know, about political events. And one of the big questions that's raised among the Farshim is what is the range of time that Daniel's, the prophecies in the book of Daniel are really uh, uh, relating to? Because, and there are a couple of schools of thought. There's a school of thought that, that limits the period of the prophecies of Daniel very much and, there, and, and considers that really the prophecies don't extend past like, the Greeks, time of the Greeks. Yeah, yeah, and then and then there's uh, and then there's another school of thought that sees the acharit yamim as meaning like acharit acharit. So why? Because it's not he's not a navi and it's not a navi. It's, it's, I don't know if it's. The, it's put I I don't know why for sure, but I have speculative possibility. One one question is why? Well, well, let's look at the content of the nevoah first, but. One of the strongest reasons is because the description of the end Nivot matches the story of like the Greeks so extremely well that it's like it fits perfectly like with love with that period and would end towards the end of that period. Basically with let's say like Malchut Chashmonai. Around the time. So I use the phraseology. Because Acharita Yamim doesn't necessarily mean a future the, right, it just means a long time from now. Like it doesn't always have to mean when David when Yaakov says, "I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the Acharita Yamim." So according to the Pshat, okay, not according to the you know that oh he was going to tell them the kids and then he forgot, then he was blocked from doing it. <laughs> right, according to the Pshat, it only extended to basically when they came to Eretz and the different Shvatim had their different brachot, that was it. There's no real, you know, sometime early, let's say, in the period, maybe to David Amelech's time, maybe something like that. Those Nifuot. They don't go to really the Yimot HaMashiach. Almost none of them. Right. But it was definitely prophetic, though, right? Even according to What, Daniel? No, that's a question. Yeah, of course. <coughs> of course. The question is, what is Acharit Yami? Right. So, like, could just mean a long time in the future. It doesn't necessarily mean the end of days in an apocalyptic way that it's the absolute end of days. It means a far time in the future. What? Seems like a very specific phrase. How would you say later on in the future? Yeah, that's the thing. In a long time. At the end of time, meaning the end of a long period. What exactly that period of time is not always clear. We didn't deal with the Daniel as a Navi also. Well, we talked about I mean, the Ram, most of the Mepharshim all kind of say that he's not really a Navi. Um, the question is Yosef a Navi. And the reason why they say that is because the book's not written in... in well, first, the Rambam, the Rambam says because it's yeah. not in, it's in Kitubi. Yeah, that makes it, the most sense. Yeah. Um, but, and the Gemara says in a couple of places he's not a Navi. The Gemara says he's not a Navi. It says that he always was a Navi. It says his friends were a Navi, but he wasn't. Whatever that means. Meaning, he was not a Navi, but he had true dreams. He had prophetic visions and dreams. And which are, yeah, but it doesn't make him a Navi. A Navi has a, a higher level of... Uh, that's it, another reason... Was it a Navi? <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. I don't think so. He was somebody who had true dreams. Yaakov was a Navi. There's never a time that Hashem speaks to Yosef. Or that Hashem speaks to Daniel. He just has visions. So, or dreams. 
So it seems from the, uh, you know, so the Chazal say specifically Daniel wasn't the Nevi'im. And his writing is in Ketuvim, not Nevi'im. What does that really mean? It doesn't mean his statements aren't true, obviously. It just means that there might be a more limited, he might have a more limited perception of, uh, of prophetic truth than an actual Nevi. And that might also support the idea and that the that Nebuchadnezzar are not as far as far forward as. I'm just remembering when we were studying Shema Pakim, he does list Daniel there as one of the Is it in Mar Nebuchim? He says he's not a Nevi. I promise. Yeah, and the Gemara says he's not. So, so what does that even mean, though? See, meaning a great Chacham could have true dreams about the future, and he's not a Navi, because a Navi is a person, a different kind of a personality, and the clarity of Nibuot is of a different order than whatever Daniel. And if we're using the book to say this is how a Chacham should act in Galut when there's no, there's no Nibuot. There was some Nibuot, like Yechezkel was a in Galut. No, but the book of Yechezkel is to learn how Chacham should be. The later Treyasar also. But again, we're not, you're learning, we're not using those books to learn how you should act post the right. or once you're in Galut. Maybe this book is, right. is meant for that. Yeah, I mean, it's how a chacham should be. Same with the book of Esther. Yeah. It's used to show you, like, I think, because of that, but post Nibua or post, post uh, having your own land, the way you act in Galut is through the politics of the time. Right. And you have to act wisely. So that right. Yeah, so the question, but he does seem to be a little bit different than a regular Chacham in the sense that he does have these visions and dreams. Yeah. So and go be beyond, like, let's say with Mordechai and Esther sort of involvement, which is there's no kind of visions or dreams or, or, or even anything uh, similar to Nibuan those days. You, know? you, you use the Chokhmah with help navigate your life. Right, right. They, they, they were chachamim in the stand, in the real, in the, the typical sense. Uh, huh? David, he makes the comment that there might be a navi. Somebody calls him a navi, but then if you look in in Mordechai, he says he talks about the gradations of nivuah. The first one is ruach kodesh. Actually, the first one is when ruach Hashem settles on a person to take action. To take no no That's a lot. the lot. Where, where the Ruach Hashem rests on a person to take action. Like when I'll say like, Ruach Hashem lavsha et sha'ol, right? So that means that they're inspired to take action. Then he has Ruach, the Shimshon, right? So that, then you have Ruach Hashem, then you have Ruach HaKodesh, which is intellectual Ruach HaKodesh, not, not behavioral, intellectual Ruach HaKodesh. And he gives example, David and Daniel. Those are the ones he, he gives. He says that it's not a Navi, but they had Ruach HaKodesh, and obviously in the case of Daniel, it took the form of different dreams. In the case of David, it took the form of inspirational poetry of Tehillim. That's some kind of a Ruach HaKodesh also. See, Navi is like what they call a, uh, you know, it's, it's a term that's a, an equivocal term. It's a broad term. The Rambam also says Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't a Navi. Right? He says, meaning, he says, in the sense of a Navi, that it, as it's normally used, he's so different from what a navi is that we don't really that right. The term is only used in an equivocal way when it applies to Moshe Rabbeinu, because his nivuah was what so qualitatively fundamentally of a different type that you can't even compare. 
Because all other Nevi'im receive Nevi'ah through the imagination. And that's why their imagery, that's why their Nevi'ot are limited to, especially the more distant, the Nevi'ah, the more vague. You know, and their Nevi'ot are, uh, you know, of different gradations, let's say. Moshe Rabbeinu gets... And Moshe Rabbeinu receives Nebuah, which is uh, purely intellectual. There's no imagery in the, in the Nebuah of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the words, literally the words of Hashem that he writes down. So it's a totally different kind of a Nebuah than the Nebuah of, uh, of any other Nabi. So therefore, right, but he says when we, call Moshe, when we talk about Nebuah Moshe Rabbeinu, it's, he's like, I can't even use the word Nabi to describe Moshe Rabbeinu because it's not really the same thing. Because Nebuah is something that goes through the imagination. It works through the same channel as regular human thought and dreaming. And it's just, it's a, you know, the natural dream and imagination of the person becomes a vehicle for the word of Hashem. That's not what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu. He literally gets the Devar Hashem in a pure, unadulterated form. There's no such thing as that, besides Moshe Rabbeinu. And he's able to react or respond. Right, well, that's the same thing. Meaning the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu can any time tap in to Nivuah is for the same reason. Because the other Nivi'im, they're receiving Nivuah passively through the imagination. So they're not perceiving... And they're doing some kind of action to bring it on. They have to go to sleep yeah. or prepare themselves and then Hashem will speak to them whenever God no, exactly. sees fit. As opposed to Moshe Rabbeinu, any time is on. That's why he had to separate from his wife. That's why he had to be always pure, always ready. Because he would have to, uh, he, he would have to be in that state where he could receive that at any time, and where he could access it at any time. But a normal nevi doesn't have that, right? So anyway, so so uh, so the question is, so so Daniel is coming to Nebuchadnezzar. Aramaic, Aramaic makes it a bit hard to understand. Is he calling Hashem out by name over here, or is this specifying that? Well, why saying does Hashem Hashem by name? Why is it the God of heaven? Why not make a kiddush Hashem's name? My God, or well, he knows that it's his God. Because he knows it's good. Yeah. So he knows. I mean, it's the same way as Yosef speaks and says, Elohim, Elohim Daniel always speaks within the natural realm. So it's called him the God of heaven. Right? He speaks within the natural realm. Obviously, he's talking about a God who's superior. What does the God of heaven mean? So it has two meanings, really. That why is Hashem called Avinu Shemayim or Elohim Shemayim? One reason is that that's given is because through the Shemayim, one can see, like why does it say Hashemayim kisi Because one is that through observing the Shemayim, you see the Chokhmat Hashem in the most clear way. That's one reason. The other reason is that it's actually through the Shemayim that Hashem runs the world, not in an astrological way, but meaning that from, meaning that that the entire universe from top to bottom is organized in one system. So the, the same laws that extend to Earth really are governing the entire universe. And in the ultimate sense, the motions of all the heavenly bodies, not in the astrological way again, but in the scientific way, everything is interconnected. So what it means, it means of the macrocosm, basically. You know? So that so that's so hashkacha wise, meaning top-down wise, we call Hashem Elohim. And in terms of our recognition of God, we call him Elohim. It's the most natural way to speak about God. Uh, and that's why um, that's why it's expressed that way. So Ant Malka, you king, al So your the thoughts 
of your uh, that that were on your bed. The thoughts, your own thoughts, came out on your bed, so to speak. Meaning to say, now, and this is what Chazal learned from here, that a person's dreams reflect usually their own thoughts, right? Their own thoughts. Um, yeah, it's very similar. But what happened was it showed you what's going to happen in the future. And the revealer of secrets. He told, he's telling you what's going to be. Right. So, so the, the, the chidush that the chazan, we, we talked about this already, so I don't want to belabor it, but the idea that he's telling him, first of all, there's such a thing as a natural dream, which comes from the thoughts and the desires, wishes, hopes, fears of a person. That's where your mind was. And from that, God uses that to show you something deeper, something beyond. That's how, that's how a true dream works. Va'ana. La b'chokma de'itai bi min kol chayaya razadena gelili. It's not because of wisdom that's in me more than any other living thing that I'm able to, that this is revealed to me. La'en, rather, al divrati pishra lemalka yehodeun, it was so that this, the, the explanation and the secret um, uh, can be known to the king. That's why. So that you should understand the thoughts of your heart. In other words, you're going to understand really what the meaning is of your dream. So it was given to me uh, in order to make this known to you. Similar to what Yosef again said to Pharaoh. But there is a way in which one can actually read the story exactly the opposite, which is what we said on Friday. That um, it's possible to say that um, was it Friday or was it Shabbat? I don't remember. It's possible to say that the uh, that the um, the uh, dreams came to Paro. I'm sorry, sorry, to Nebuchadnezzar as true dreams, and Daniel is there to explain them. But it's also possible that the Hashkacha brought the dreams to Nebuchadnezzar in order to bring Daniel into the picture, meaning. It's Ashkachan Daniel, not really a Nebuchadnezzar. In, 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 both, in both stories, especially in the story of Nebuchadnezzar, even more than in Paro. Because in the story of Paro, there's a real need that Paro requires. The, uh, he requires the, the knowledge in order to prevent the destruction of Egypt and the famine. In the case of Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't really get anything out of knowing what's going to happen in the future. Right? So really... Okay, I don't want to say that. Yeah, it depends, but it's it's even more suggestive that really Janiel's entering into the picture was the goal of the dream. Yeah, yeah, it seems seems that way. The thing is, is that because the rest of the book is based around Daniel getting the picture, also. Yeah, I mean, it's also possible that we see that Daniel sort of tries to educate Nebuchadnezzar, like we said, more than Yosef did to Paro. Yeah. He really does try to educate him. And part of the idea of the dreams is to humble him, to humble Nebuchadnezzar. It's almost so, like the goal of all all of Daniel's involvement with Nebuchadnezzar is to get him to admit that Hashem is the, is, is the king. Right. And then the same with the next king. Like every, every king that Daniel is a part of, it's like almost like his goal is to get him to say Hashem is the king. And then it's like the narrative then goes to the next king. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when 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 Daniel achieves that, mm-hmm. right? There is something like that. Yeah, there is something like that. I, that's just that. I think I think it's true. 
So it's possible that that's part of the plan also to educate Nebuchadnezzar. In which case, yeah. So in which case it could be Ashbechah from too. Because remember, we said that Chazal actually portrayed Nebuchadnezzar as not such a terrible guy. You know. So, uh, so it could be that that's also a part of the picture. Um, actually, speaking of which, it might be a good idea if anybody remembers what we talked about on Shabbat to, put, to write it down in notes because I don't remember anything, and uh, I, I realized we didn't actually record that. We didn't. Shoot. We didn't yeah, record on Shabbat. We didn't oh, record on Shabbat. I think Ariel did. No. Yeah. Friday. Friday we recorded not not uh, Shabbat. So if anyone remembers the points what we said, write them down because you don't want to lose them. Yeah. Try to remember. Anyway. Ant Malka, you came. Avaita, you were you were watching, you were looking. Va'alu tzelem Yeah, now he's gonna describe the dream. First, he's gonna tell him the dream. Then he's gonna, then he's gonna, um, then he's gonna explain it. Right? You were looking, and one. The question is, how did he know this? He had a dream of it himself. Yeah. Remember, he prayed and then he went to sleep. And, yeah. There was one big. I don't understand how this is distinct from Nevoah, though. How do we decide that this, is, this isn't Nevoah and a different dream is Nevoah? Like, is there, is there something distinct that I can read this and see that this is not a Nevoah, but a different experience, a different yeah, visual yeah. experience is, is a Nevoah? Meaning? We're just, we're just He's interpreting this experience. He's, we're it, relying on Chazal's words. Yeah. This is, a, this is not a Nevoah. Meaning, what are they seeing here that's seeing? telling them this isn't a Nevoah, but... Yechezkel is a nevoah. Mm. Why? How do you? How can you tell? I mean, what's it? What's how, in the how does that, know this isn't Because at the end of the day, he's seeing a. Right. So once you say that this is true, you mean, I mean, of course it's true. No, I'm saying it? since we're assuming that the dream is true. Yeah, it's a true dream. Yeah, yeah. Why so, is it not a nevoah? Why is it? Well, I, I mean, it obviously resonates with Nebuchadnezzar. Otherwise, we wouldn't be reading that. Right. So. Right, the question is, what distinguishes the true dreams from Nivu'ah? Since they're both true, and it's not a lack of truth in the, in, in the dream that makes it not Nivu'ah. So, okay, so what do you think? It's the best trick. Such a good teacher's trick. Yeah. I don't know the answer. It's funny, because like, it, it sounds like someone does like, yeah, but that's not that they didn't, they didn't make it up. They're they're, they're reading something. in something and they're seeing something in the text. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Like let's let's take like, I, I, was, I guess I guess we'll keep it in mind as we go. If if didn't remember his dream and he was going about it saying I don't remember what my dream is and then he's now praising him and telling him, Well this was your dream. <laughs> And he's like, oh, yeah, that's my dream. Unless he was just saying that he was... Unless he was saying that he Which could be. Right. But it's hard to believe, because then you have to say it's some sort of nevoah. But if it's like, Daniel comes up with this ruse where I'm going to I'm gonna praise him to the point where he's going to believe whatever I say, and then I'm going to tell him this was a dream, and it's going to have a good interpretation for him also. So it's like, he's more... more. Actually, the interpretation is not so good, is it? I think it's, it, he can. View you think it's it, positive? I think he can view it positively. No, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. In the short term, it's positive. It's positive for him. Maybe. I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure. But it, but this is a good question. Let's think of the different examples of true dreams that are not given to Nivi. 
Yosef comes in. Yosef. Paro. Mm-hmm. Who else? Sarah Mashkim, Sarah Ophim. Who else? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's all the all the dreams you see. Avi Melech. Avi Melech. Who else? Well, well, that it's not more. Yeah, it's, really, it's more audio. Avi Melech has a dream. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he talks to him not visually. Meaning he, he doesn't. His, when he, he takes Sarah, he talks to him in a dream. Yeah, he talks to him, but he doesn't give him like a like a vision. It sounds, speaks, it sounds same. auditory. It's like, okay, it's like still, don't... He still speaks to somebody right, in a dream. Right. It's a real communication. Right. Who else? Lavan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, And then Hashem says, Oh, I didn't kill him. I'm not going to hurt you because, you know, that that's even more explicit communication. Meaning that mm-hmm. one, they have a that one, yeah, that one's a little harder. And he says, and now, we're, yeah. So, so why is that not anymore? Who said it has to be about the future? As opposed to, to be about the future? as opposed to Bilam, who will, we will call a Navi. Is Bereshit Barai Elohim and Hashemayim in the Arutz Nivua because it happened in the past? It has to be about the future. Hmm. So what's the uh, what the what's really the essential difference between true dream and nivuah? It's not that it predicts the future or not, because future is not necessarily a, a feature of of nivuah either. We about the past. It's also not absent for paro or the the sarim. What do you mean? Meaning that that is that is future. Yeah, that is future. Yeah, it could be future. So, an, a saying that's that's a yeah, that's a true dream that is future. True dream could just be about present. True dream could be about future. Is it? Uh, Nebuah, about, when, when is true dream about, about the past? Yeah. No, no, it could be about present. Like uh, present meaning tomorrow is the future. No, when when Hashem tells Adam, yeah, I'll be married woman, you have to you have to, you have to give it back. That's something that you're currently in, involved present. in. True dream, true dream. It's a real dream, right? True dream. So being about the future maybe isn't necessary for true dream, or is it? Is Avimelech definitely not Nebuah? That's definitely categorically not Nebuah. That's a true dream. I mean, again, that, okay, what does that that's, mean? That's the that's. I'm saying Bil'am. Isn't Nabi just somebody who receives communication from God? We're, so Bil'am, we're okay. We're okay. Are we okay with, with so calling sure Bil'am a Navi? Hang on, hang on. Are we okay with calling Bil'am a Navi? He's not a Navi. He's not a Navi. Okay, fine. So he's not a Navi. So what is like Bil'am? I mean, the way that they. Sometimes he's called a Navi, but I think that most of the Rishonim say he was really, he's also called a Kosen, you know, he's like, well, it was like, it wasn't really. Yeah, but. Navi, yeah, but it's they say he wasn't though, really a Navi. It, like the Rambam says in Mordechim, it wasn't really a Navi. He had Nevoah experience, but it wasn't related. But then, what's Matovu Alecha Yaakov Mishkanatach Yisrael? That was like some kind of Ruach Kodesh. Sounds like, right? Yeah, I don't know. No. So what, that, that not, seems. Not, not 
Yeah, I know. So that's can you help us with this time? Yeah. I mean, he left. That's what the salary or something like that. He just lists them. It doesn't define them. Right. It lists the 48 of the units. It just lists them. So somebody got to help us out here. Come up with a good answer. What's the answer? I think... Maybe let's think about the answer overnight. Just as well. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna burn let's this. Let's go to sleep. Let's go to sleep tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Rabbi's gonna wake up tomorrow. Process. I. I love that. It's tomorrow. Let's let it process in the unconscious mind. Yeah, let's let's, let's process. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Huh? And if we're right in our sleep, that was. And if we don't get it in sleep, then we won't turn that anymore because it wasn't worth. All right, let's continue. So, what one of the features of a of a navi? is like the way the Rambam describes it, is it's a, a Navi is a different type of, a totally different type of personality and character and level of knowledge in which the Nebuah is, uh, is, has to do with that. In other words, a, a Navi is not, doesn't just have an isolated experience of a, a dream or of a prophetic, you know, moment or something like that that's called a Nebuah. What makes them a Navi is... That's why you keep saying, well, that person's not a Navi. Well, that person is a Navi. But Meaning, is, it it's a, is it possible for, for someone that's not a Navi to get a Nebuah? They can have a... Because there's something that's necessary for Hashem to transmit into this world? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Right. In other words, the difference between a Navi and a non-Navi is a, a difference in the person. Like we call it the Gavra in Yeshivish terms, Right. It's a difference in the type of person that we're talking about. And so then the nivuah is not just an isolated experience that they had, but it's actually an extension or a manifestation of this process of development as a nivuah. Okay? What's, what makes it nivuah is that it's essential to the navi. It's part of who they are that they receive nivuah. They achieved a certain level of their development that they receive nivuah. And it's not just a it's not just a, uh, a, an isolated incident that, that occurred to them, as opposed to Daniel or any other person who might have a true dream or God speak to them in an isolated incident. That's not because Avimelech is a Navi. We intuitively sense that. Lavan and Avimelech are not a Navi, but God could speak to them in an isolated incident, just like any other Hashkacha Pratit could occur that, uh, you know, that would uh, influence one way or another. For, for the person of... Yeah, exactly. Right. There's lots of different forms of Hashkafati that occur in the world that so what's different between that and uh, I don't know, uh, Avimelech not being able to engage in marital relations or whatever the punishment was that happened to him. So God gives him a dream that scares him, or God gives Lavan a dream that scares him. In other words, it doesn't mean that Lavan was involved in a process of development and discovering Yidiyat Hashem and perfecting himself and his character and as an outgrowth of that he was ready to receive Nivuah and you know he had to, that it, it has to do with the, the relationship between the insight of the Nivwa and the person. It's interesting also. It's transform it it's when it, each time the Navi has Nivwa, it's a transformative experience that brings them to a higher level. The total person is brought to our level. So it says like the Rambam describes, he becomes a new person. Right? The Navi becomes a new person. So, yeah, that's just the experience. But it's saying through the process of Nivwa, he becomes a new person. So, so, that's a, that's, so in, the, in the case, of the difference between Nivwa and true dream seems to be that a true dream is an isolated experience. It's an insight. It's an isolated experience. 
but it's not transformative of the total personality. A Navi is, it has a different type of a personality. Like the Rambam describes the Navi. What does that, like a Sefer Rambam, that's really important, I think. Do we have a Sefer Rambam? Can you just give me one second? I know you want to keep going, but I think it's important. Yeah. That's on the other side. Yeah, I saw it before. He, he, he describes the, the uh, what time are we at? You're going to get frustrated if we don't finish uh, a lot of Prakim. I don't want your Nivuat to come through that we don't get past. Uh-huh. I, just want to see, I, I want to see how the first two came with the seventh Okay. Isn't it down there? It's on the bottom. I saw it before. Bottom! As you were speaking, I was... I was kind yeah. of thinking about it. Like, you have a different idea? It's, it, no, 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 not at all. Along with your idea. Um, so, Abimelech, Lavan, Hagar. Right. All three don't get visions. They get very clear... Audi- ah, maybe Hagar does, actually. Because if you, says, ah, you uh, see the bear. Um, but let's just... Let's go with this for a second. It's like a very clear communication. Like, specifically auditory experience. Like, there's no, there's no interpretation to be had, right? It's just... I'm going to give you a communication. Why? Oh, the common denominator between those three is that they're all for the hashkacha of somebody who deserves it. Right? Abraham. In the case of Abraham. Uh, Abraham. Abraham. Hagar, Hagar is also Abraham, by the way, because cause yeah, yeah. Abraham is obviously concerned with Ishmael. It's not about Hagar. It's about Ishmael. So it's, that's also for, for Abraham. And then Lavan is for Yaakov, right? I just want to say the thing about it. Yeah. So they're getting, so they're getting clear auditory communication, right? right? Versus Yosef is a little bit more complicated because he's seeing, he's seeing a visual stimulus. And like, that seems to be the, the <coughs> that seems to be how the Nevi'im besides from Moshe Rabbeinu get messaging, right? right? That it's some, some vision that they're interpreting or some, some more, you could see the, you could see the lens a little bit more that there's some, some interface that they're meant to interpret. Right. Versus the uh, Avimelech Hagar Lavan, there's no interpretation. It's just involved. simple. It's just yeah. Simple. So you're, you do this. That's um, so those seem to be different. I mean, again, I don't know how we get from there to Yosef is not an Avi and right. Uh, so let, let's just. I want to just look at it. It's a good observation. This is uh, this is Perek Shvi'iyah Misodeto. He says Misodeto leidasha yelmin abet nehadam. It's one of the fundamentals of the religion that, that uh, God brings prophecy to human beings. His Yetzirah never gets the best of him. The Navi is pondering the greatest thoughts of, about God. He's describing a person who's totally involved in and immersed in Yidiyat Hashem. Not a person with local concerns. You see? 
not a person with local concerns that receives a particular dream or insight or message related to their local concern. He's talking about someone that their whole personality is wrapped up in Yudhiyat Hashem from the highest existence to the lowest existence and everything in between and he's inspired by Havat Hashem and then all of a sudden he gets Ruch HaKodesh. Could be a Shem, right? Ubaet shetanuach alav Ruach titarev nafsho v'malat ha-malachim anikoyim v'shim v'yafech le'ish acher v'yavin bedato she'eno kemot she'aya you see? He's aware. The person is aware. He's actually saying that Shaul achieved real Nebuah according to that. Right? They're different levels. And then he talks about the different levels. Okay? Um, and in this context, he even mentions Daniel as one of them. Because at the end of... Uh, because he's talking about Ruach HaKodesh. Mm-hmm. Even Ruach HaKodesh is of this nature, apparently, right? Because at the end he says, Shneva Daniel, Vodine Pach Mashchit, Okay? So, the, so even Daniel, at least at the end, when he's having those Nebuot at the end, because that's from the end. Huh? Yeah. So that's... That's... Hadvarim Shemodin Nevi B'Marei Nebuot Dech Mashal Modin Lo... So within the Nebuah experience itself is also the explanation, right? So it could be, and I would suggest that it probably is true about Daniel as you read the story, that in the beginning he wasn't really having Nebuah. He was having uh, just Chalomot Tzodkim. And towards the end, when he has the very explicit Nebuah with the Malachim, he was reaching the level of a real Ruach HaKodesh and a real type of Nebuah. Not necessarily. It could be that he was on the that, way that to get the process. There. But the process to get that's there. what it sounds like. Because here he's describing it as. I mean, in the morning, he says he had ruach hakodesh. So that's the lowest level of nevuah. It's not the same as what Nebuchadnezzar had. He's not considered a navi because people with ruach hakodesh they aren't classified as navi. Right, the Rambam is making a distinction, saying you can have Ruch HaKodesh, which is a type of Nebuah, without being called a Navi by the Chazal, which is the higher levels of Nebuah, where you have more specific Nebuah. Nib- uh, my son gets really bothered by this. Why? My, my eight-year-old. Why? Because every time we say, I'm not sure or But you say, Ali Dei Malach. Ali Dei Navi, or whatever. Yeah. He's not one of the 48, but you see him sometimes. Right. Sure. As Tabor sounds like it's referring to the natural world, natural sciences, no? Yeah. What's the relationship between understanding natural sciences and the natural world and Well, the Rambam explains that in like the previous chapters when he talks about Avat Hashem and Yirat Hashem in the beginning of. The second parrot. Right? So, right. So he includes Torah in knowledge of this world because it has to do with human beings. It has to do, that's part of the Chokhmat Hashem as it applies to Bnei Adam. In Sefer HaMitzvot, he's more explicit because in Sefer HaMitzvot, he actually says that Avat Hashem is to know not only his creations and his actions, but also his mitzvot. He includes that also. So he's saying seeing everything, the tot- trying to understand the totality of God's plan, not just limited to 
specific concerns. So I think the difference, and you can also see that in the character of the visions that Daniel has, because Daniel's visions are much broader and further reaching in the later chapters than they are in the earlier chapters, which suggests that his, you know, it's, it's, it's expanding. His interest is expanding. And it talks about him like trying to study the Sfarim and the Nivuot and, and like his, his interest and his, his attention is, is, is becoming broader. So that's why he all of a sudden he gets Ruach HaKodesh, hmm. right? It could be. I'm just, I, yeah. If we're describing the book as the development of man when he's in Galut, maybe that should be the ultimate. The ultimate should be as some kind of a prophetic, uh, like Rav Anazir. Perfect yourself. That was what Rav Anazir was trying to do. The what? Well, that's like like what Rav Anazir was trying to do, to to attain some kind of a prophecy. Could be. That's what he said, right? You didn't know about Rav Anazir? You know what Rav Anazir is. I know he was sure. He was... He was, he really, that's what, the reason he became a Nazir was because he wanted to achieve Nivoah. Because he thought Nivoah was going to come back because of the, with the creation of the state of Israel, you know, Mashiach was going to come. Yeah, he wrote a book called Kol Nivoah. About what? He was very interested in the issue of how to, how to achieve Nivoah. Really? It's in this building? Oh, oh that's, that's after him? I thought he was no, in Merkaz That's where he slept. I thought it was in Merkaz Yeah, yeah, the Nazir. No, the Nazir was him. It was not his name, so what will the law? Oh, I don't know. He slept in this building. But we slept, that's nice if we get that. I thought he never slept because he was learning Torah. What do you mean? Yeah, slept. So, yeah. Give it a hope, give it. So, whether you whether you whether you go with the Rambam or you go with the Ramban, it doesn't even matter. Whether you're talking about the Mikubalim or you're talking about the non Mikubalim, everybody agrees that the interest of the Navi is in all of existence. However you approach that existence doesn't matter. But obviously whether you approach it with the Spirot and the Kabbalistic way or the Rambam way, it doesn't matter. The point is they're interested in all of God's handiwork, everything. How is everything put together? That's a totally different thing than uh, I'm worried about whether there's going to be a famine next year. That's, that's, not, that's not the same kind of... Uh, I'm worried about my, you know, I'm focused on my, you know, how I fit into the family. Am I going to be the leader well, of the okay. family or not? That's, 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 that's like a very practical example. That's like understanding, I don't know, like, theory, like, like, I'll give theory, you an theory, example. Theory, theory, I'll give you an example. Because everything in Maaseh Hashem is part of Chokhmat Hashem. The more understanding you have, the more you, the closer you get to Yitiyat Hashem. For sure. And I'll give you an example of where, let's say when Yaakov has a nevuah of the Sulam, right? Jacob's ladder, right? Sulam Yaakov. So the, many of the Mephoshim, the Ibn Ezra brings uh, this idea, the Rambag brings the idea, say that the, what was Yaakov actually thinking of? The entirety of God's creation, the significance of God's entire plan, and then Hashem says to him, don't worry about going to Lavan, you know, you're going to be okay. It's like, what is, so everyone, the obvious question is, what is having a nevuah about God's creation and the malachim and all this stuff have anything to do with Yaakov going to Lavan? Nothing to do with it. You understand what I'm saying? It bothered me. I'm like, why is the Ral Bag not bothered by the fact that what he's saying the Nivois is about has absolutely nothing to do with what the, wait, the message is. Wait, the why? Why? Right? It has everything but, to do with it. No. Because, yeah. the, the, because the whole thing is that he, he's leaving Eretz Israel right now, which is exactly what his father was told not to do because he's part, right, it's part of the mission. What is seeing God's creation? Because, because 
part part of God's creation is the mission of Am Yisrael. Okay, you're you're already bringing that in. I'm saying on I'm the saying, surface. I'm saying you know, uh, right? Yeah, you're right. I'm just saying on the surface, it sounds like right, two right, totally different things. Right. Like, why, why are you right. telling me about God's creation and the top to the bottom of God's creation and the malachim and all that? What does that have to do with my life? Right. Right. This Rambam actually fits perfectly to explain it. Perfectly to explain it. Meaning that he was reflecting on the totality and, fr- and within that totality, a clarification about himself. So that's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that actually makes, helps us to understand the difference between the true dream and what's Nivu'ah. Nevoah comes to the Nabi out of his seeking to understand the totality. This particular piece fits in. As opposed to the chalom, the real chalom is just an insight into a particular particular concern, set of concerns. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Wait, in, in baby Josh, because I never understood that. And now it makes perfect sense. There was one on the Mac level. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What? There was more on the Mac level. Right, it's coming from the macro and then he sees the, the as opposed to the, the Chalomotut king that he's bothered by some specific yeah, concern. Wow. That, that makes so much sense. Why don't I ever think of it? That's great. But Yosef's Chalom also did have impact on that level. Yeah, for sure. But not in the, not in the creation, except, you know, in, in his, own, his own life and the life of the, the nation, which, in, which is a tipa bayam compared to the mitziyot. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, that, that clears up a lot of problems. Okay. Um, oh, so let's get back to this prophecy or dream of... Uh, yeah. So what did he say? Okay, we're in the first dream of the planet of the army. What? Let me write it. Uh-huh. He's writing reviews and like, this stuff is makes no sense. Uh, I can't wait to get, get out of here another night and go home. Is that what you're writing? Um, uh, so, how long is it inside about a specific incident? It's more about yeah, it's where the insight is coming from. Meaning, I'm focused on particular concerns, and from that concern, I have a breakthrough. Versus I'm really looking at the totality of things. And from that looking at the totality of things, I see a clarification comes to me about this specific. Totally opposite direction of thinking. It makes so much sense now. Thank you, Rabbi. I never understood. Um, let's see if you guys came more often. I would actually uh, be able to advance in my learning a little bit. But you guys leave after a few days and then start till next week. We thought the air, the air very close. It, it was helping. It was helping. I, I maybe it was seeing. I really think it was seeing Chaim. I think it's being in your shine. Carmen got it. Wouldn't have happened. Exactly. Does that count? Since I didn't say it. Yeah. It still counts. Okay. It's inspired by you. <laughs> um, okay. So 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 he sees a big statue, right? That's the one. So he sees this big statue. And, uh, and, um, second. Well, yeah, where was I? I'm on third. Three. 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 In the middle. Oh, okay. In the middle. Right, we're in the middle. Right, Salmadi Ken Rav, the Zivayat, it was very bright and big. Okay. In the middle of Lamed Alf. Yeah, in Lamed Alf, we're in the middle of it. Ka'im Likublach, it was facing me. He was stepping again. 
Ant Malka, you, you came. Chazei Havaita, you were looking. Valut Salem Chadzagi, and behold, there was a uh, big statue, right? Salma Dikein Rav, a statue that was very large, Vizibe Yatir, and it was very bright, shining, I guess. Kaim Lekovlach, it was facing you. Verevei Dechil, and its appearance was frightening. It was like awesome, I guess, right? That's what it means. It had an awesome. Uh, appearance. The head of the statue was made of gold. Good gold. Right? And the chest, the Dalit and the Zion are interchangeable in Aramaic. Right? But it's a Dalit and the Zion switching. Sometimes Dehav can be Zahav also, but here it said, yeah, it said Dehav, right? Right, that was silver. So meaning the head, go this part, the middle part, middle part, silver, and and the um, the lower part of the body and the the what do you call it? The, the uh, thighs, yeah, were made of uh, brass or copper. Right, the lower part of the leg was uh, made of iron. Right, ragloi the feet minehen di parzel uminehen di chasah, partially of uh, of uh, iron and partially of uh, like pottery stuff. What do you call that? Clay, ceramic clay, earthenware. Chazei habaita, you were looking. Ad di hit gezeret even di laviyadain. Suddenly, a, a a a rock was was cut out, not with hands, meaning it sud- like just came out of nowhere. I guess this rock was cut out. Um and it smashed the the I keep wanting to say idol because you know the statue and feet di the part that was made of the uh, the iron and the uh, what do we call it again? clay clay um and it cracks them it breaks them okay breaks them vedayin dakuchada and then uh, the um, and then the uh, it was broken at like kachada means like all at once. Barzela chaspa nechasha chaspa v'dava. All of a sudden, like the whole thing basically falls apart, right? It all it all fell down, and it was like v'havo keur min idrekayit. It was like the um, the chaff from the, uh, from the from the from the threshing of the sun of the uh, kites of the kites means like the sun kites like kites, right? Unsa himon lucha and the wind took it. Vechol atar lo ishtekach lehon and no, uh, it couldn't be found anywhere. Right, it wasn't found anywhere. And ve'avna di mechat letzalma abat letzurav umlad kolara and that rock that knocked it down became a gigantic mountain and filled the entire earth. Dinachemah. This was the dream. Sounds weird enough. Sounds like some some something that someone have on a really bad acid trip. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, just wait till you get the end. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this was the dream. Now we're going to say the explanation. Kodam Malka before the king. Ant Malka, you king, Melch Malchaya. Diala Shemaya, Malchuta, Chisna, Betokfa, Vikara, Yavlach. You are the king. The king of You are the king. But the king of kings, who is the God of heaven, kingship and strength and power and honor he has given Okay? 
Chibat bara ve'of shemaya, and uh, all of the um, places where people live, meaning throughout all of the inhabited worlds and the animals and the birds, Yav bidach, he's put it in your power. Okay, just like it says about Adam Rishon that he's Lord. He of calls him Melech Malchaya. No, no, he said Melech Malchaya gave to you. Melech Malchaya el Hashemaya. Oh, just, no, wait, wait. The Atnach is under Melech Machayah. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're right from the Ta'anim. Yeah. You were the highest king? Yeah, I guess it means in human terms. That's yeah. interesting because in Yaribon. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. That's why I probably said that. Yeah, that, that's. I was like, no, no way Yaribon was. Yeah, it seems like the. So, they, so basically, 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 no, the Ari obviously was Mitaken, this puzzle. Because it sounds like it, because obviously it's not. Yeah, Hashem, that's probably. Hashem is Melech Malchem. Yeah. Melech Malchem. Yeah, can you say that? He means that he's the highest king, yeah. right? I, but I automatically read it yeah. as Gary Bon. I was thinking like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. Uh, and he put you in charge of all of it. You are the golden head. It will be a less stable, less uh, less impressive kingdom after you. So is, is this a good dream for him? Meaning, it'll actually fade, fade away, but it's much later. I'm not sure. It's something I'm not sure. There will be a third one. All of these will rule over the earth. The third one is the, uh, the copper one. This will be like iron. And uh, because iron basically breaks everything, just like it breaks everything, so too, and just like you see that iron breaks everything and uh, this... Um, uh, this malchut will break all of the other ones, meaning it'll be like iron, it'll be a very, it, it will dominate everything. Strongest one? It'll be strong. When you saw that the feet and the toes, you saw that some of them were made of clay and some of them were made of iron. So malchut ligata, it will be a divided kingdom. And uh, it will be. Um, it, it, the uh, what is nitzpeta? That's the first Aramaic word. What's in there? Chazak. Oh, no, he's there in interpretation. What does What does he say? Betzvod raglaim miktad malchut chazaka. Oh, is that what it means? No, that's oh, they need the previous pasuk. What does the Ralbad say? What it means? Because he translates for me. Oh, nechleket, yeah, will be split. Okay. And from the strength of the parzala yehevala, it will have some of the strength of the iron, is what it means. Mina nitzbeta di parzala lehevala. Kol gavel di chazaita parzala me'arav b'chasach tinam, it's mixed with the clay, right? Ve'et be'at raglaya minahen parzel u'minahen chasach, min ketzat malchuta tevei takifa, u'mina tevei tevira, part of it will be like broken and part of it will be strong. You'll have like a combination of these two kingdoms, but they won't be connected to each other, meaning they won't mesh, they won't be able to be united. 
Hechidi parzela lo mitarabim chaspach. Just like you can't mix clay with iron, they won't mix together. No. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about what that means in a second. Vi yomehon di malchaya inun yakim elashemaya malchudi lealmin lo titchabal. Then a kingdom that will never end is going to come up. Umalchuta leam achwan lo tishtevik. One that will not leave its uh, uh, its kingdom for to anyone else. Tadik v'tasef kol ilen malchivata v'itikum lealmai. That will wipe out all of these other kingdoms. That will be forever. Just like you saw that a rock king that wasn't cut by hands. This is, so just like you saw that it broke down the entire statue. Um, the great God has told the king, What's going to happen afterwards? And the, the dream is true and the explanation is good. So what this is talking about there are two different interpretations. There are the, there's the interpretation that is the limited interpretation. What time is it? Like, like, 350. Yeah, okay. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, can you bring it to me? I want to just make sure that, you know, Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Because he's, he's coming to the old city, just want to tell him where to meet me. No, I think that, that distinction was so helpful too. I was like so relieved. Uh, yeah. It, it, now we can just do that with the Gidhan I think. I'm yeah, I was, I, right when you said that, I was thinking about that. Because we were bothered by Gidhan Asha and Shabbat. I was very, on Motei Shabbat, we were like trying what? to, like it was, I was going to Yeah, you're going from the broad to the specific, right? Exactly. I mean, that's what it seems like. This is like a new thing that I'm suggesting. It seems to fit really well. I just, I, I, you know, I don't want to give some absoluteness to it because it just happened like 15 minutes. Ago. It makes sense because uh, it's, it's for posterity. The way the Rambam is saying it, it seems to fit so yeah. Yeah, I really think it, it's very convincing. Well, where, what, what was the source um, in the Rambam that we looked at? It was Yosudei Torah. The seventh paragraph. Seventh paragraph. Seventh paragraph. Yeah. Do you remember the halacha? It's like the second first few series of them. Yeah, um, in the okay. In, Just if so you have take it. a look at like the Rambam also when he talks about tefillah, he talks about how the person he describes it very similarly to the way he talks about the person having nipuah, wow. which is um, right. yes, yeah. yeah. He talks, but he describes it with almost exactly the same words that a person's wow. supposed to be in that state yeah. of mind, which suggests again. That it's about looking because that's what really Amidah Hashem is really what what the, what Tfilah is also about. Like that big picture reflection is what Tfilah is about. It's a pretty powerful idea. We have to stew on it a little bit. But anyway, the the there's two two ways of interpreting it. Uh, not for a little while more because he wasn't sure where to go. So he's just a tachanander because he's told another fifteen twenty minutes. So the uh, in in. In the picture of... Uh, like, could you beat over the whole Nidwai in English, right? Will it help you? No, no, I know the Nidwai. Did anyone... Should I... So basically, yeah, what I said the Nidwai is that there's this big statue. The head is gold, the chest is, is silver, the middle, lower half, the lower half is uh, is copper, and the feet... And then and then there's iron, and then there's and iron and mixed with clay. And so basically the idea is that 
each of them is representing a different kingdom, a series of, of, of kingdoms. And that, then a rock comes out of nowhere. And... Because uh, it's trying to say it's divine, somehow divine, right? Because he says it's some kingdom that God means to come forever. So here are two. Here are the two basic interpretations that we have. One interpretation. I'm gonna. They can be subdivided, sort of. I'm gonna give you the two basic interpretations. One is the long view, the acharit acharit ayamim, and one is the acharit ayamim metaphor, so to speak, right? So acharit acharit ayamim is that it's referring to the kingdoms that rose up, meaning Bavel, then Parasu Madai, then uh, then the Greeks, then Romans. Okay, and that Rome is basically until Yemotanashim. And that we'll call the Western world Rome until, right? Another possibility that some, some of them unfortunately have is that the last kingdom is like the Islamic Empire, whatever. You know, meaning it's looking, it's a messianic vision. Messianic vision. A more modest interpretation, and like I said, a lot, the later the scholarship, meaning even starting with the Abarbanel and the Malbim, they already start reading Daniel as more limited in the scope of the vision. And when we read the later visions, if you open up a book of the history of the Greek kingdoms from Alexander the Great until the, the like, let's say the Hashemonaim or whatever, it's like, it's so word for word exactly what happened during that time, it's impossible to... I, I, when we read it, yeah, we like, this one married this one, and the daughter of the oh, south wow. went to the north. It's like these exact things happened in the times of the Greeks. It's like so literally word for word the history of the Greeks. So the Abarbanel already read it that way because they had he had more access to the history of the of the Greek kingdoms than than let's say earlier Rishonim had. You have the Abarbanel here? Huh? You have the Abarbanel here? Probably have it. No, not in here. I don't think they might have it in the building. Um, in in. But this, so the other interpretation of this Nebuah is that, no, these four kings are just the four kings after Nebuchadnezzar, meaning that there's Nebuchadnezzar, and then there was, you know, the kingdoms that followed him. Right? So, and that, the, and then, right, Belshazzar, and then, and then, uh, um, there's Evil Merodach also, there's Belshazzar, and there's, um, uh, who came after well, he's squeezed in there somehow. It's not like entirely clear when he was. And there's the other Daryavish that's not the one afterwards. And the um, and so that interpretation is that basically what the what the Nivois is just talking about is the the is Koresh coming and rebuilding the second Betamidash. Right? So that's what it means. Of course it didn't really last forever, but Nivuot always speak about what you know, the hope, the, the, the idea. Right, so that so one interpretation has it that basically that's not the from interpretation. The yeah. true, the, the from interpretation I that. but like I've seen interpretations. Probably Dat Mikra will bring an interpretation like this if we look in the Dat Mikra that it's speaking about the kings that immediately followed Nebuchadnezzar, eventuating in the rebuilding of the Beit Hamikdash. Okay, if that's the idea, it's a local vision. If it's a messianic vision, then it's really far out. The question that bothers me and that I wonder about, and I think it's a question on all these Nivuot is, what is the benefit of this Nivuot? So the, no, okay, what the dream? Like, 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 there's Evil Rodach in there somewhere. Yeah, it's Nivuot Nectar, then Evil Rodach. Who has the best name? It looks like Evil Rodach. Evil Rodach, then Belshazzar. 
Somebody once said to me, wow, evil means the same thing in Hebrew? Because I see evil Merodach Lemuel, that's his name, Avi. Yeah, the later Nibwa also. There are people who learn it as being about Messianic times, and there are people who learn it as being about the rise of the Hashmonaim after the Greeks. Why? Why? It's also the ramifications, the history, and it's the way it plays out. So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But let's, before we even get to that, before we even get to that, let's try to understand what is the benefit of this to Nebuchadnezzar. Very nice idea of dreams. So what? Why is God showing this to, to, to uh, Nebuchadnezzar? What is the benefit of it? Right? Oh, if, if God is showing this to you, it means it's something for you to know. So what, what does he need to know this? He needs to know that one day there's going to... Whether you say it's talking about one day his kingdom will fall, there'll be another one, another one. Or you're saying he'll die and there'll be three other kings that more or less are mamshich, his kingship. If you can't prevent anything or enjoy what's, what's the point? What's the point of this, this, this vision? Right, so what would the, what, what could we say? We could imply from Paro that there is something that he could Right, so from the story of Paro, you might infer that there's an implied idea that you, this is going to happen because, because of the way you're going. But it's right, but it's possible for things to change. It's possible for it to be otherwise. Now, what's the suggest, what, what do we see for those who've read the book before? What happens in the future, in the near future, that indicates that he was hoping to thwart this prophecy? This this vision, prediction. He makes a he makes a statue entirely of gold, since he's the gold, right? He's saying there's no feet of any clay or anything like that. It's all gold. It's all me, right? That's that's the idea of the statue, and he makes everyone bow to it because that's the. Uh, some people even say it was him. It was actually a vision. Of, it was like a. Statue of him. I don't know, but it doesn't say that. But the uh, the idea is he took that idea that I'm the gold in the statue, and he made the entire statue gold, as if to deny that. But what does that show you, though? What does it show you? That the implication was there's something you can do about this, but he took it the wrong way. Meaning he didn't understand that it would mean him changing himself. He thought it would mean him somehow magically thwarting the effects of this, uh, you know, prediction. As a, like a type of amulet, and you see again and again that Eliel is trying to point Nebuchadnezzar to a recognition of God, and and see the the idea is that all human kingdom is temporary. All human kingdom is predicated on the the ascent and the support of God's kingdom, and if you're out of line with God's kingdom, you're not going to be machzik ma'amad. You're not going to you're not going to be able to stick. Right, we're going to be nothing. All of it, the idea is whether you take, the, whatever, however you take the, the, the dream, right? The result is everything you've built is going to be nothing. Everything you've built is going to be nothing, right? Because something not made by human hands is going to crush all of it, right? So what does that mean? You can either decide to govern your kingdom in a way that is in line with the Malchut Shemayim and then maybe you could be the malchut, God has given it to you right now. Maybe you could keep it. Maybe that's the implication. You could keep it if you acknowledge the malchut shemaim. And remember, we learned from the Chazal. Do you know the Gemara and Sanhedrin about the Nebuchadnezzar? I was going to say because the Kippur has a 
Have, have what? Right, that's like Melchisar. Right? But have you, have you ever seen the Gemara in Sanhedrin? We, we learned the Gemara in Sanhedrin. In Tzadibav, it says about Nebuchadnezzar that he, he, he was a secretary for the king before him. And so they, they wrote a letter to Chizkiyahu HaMelech when he got better from his sickness. And the letter was written, Peace to the King Chizkiyahu, to the city of Jerusalem, and to the great God. And it went out. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, you sent a letter putting God last? You have to put God first and the city second and the king last. Not the other way around. And he went to run and stop them from sending the letter. But it says Gavriel stopped him. And if he had taken a few more steps, he would have destroyed everything. Right? So what's the idea? The idea is that he had kavod for Hashem. He had like an appreciation. He had an understanding. Yet he just didn't take it all the way. And what do we see? Like, yeah, Eglon also had a little zechut. But the point is, he had some recognition of God. We see here that Daniel is trying to work with it. Look, this is what's going to be in the future. But that doesn't mean God has given you the power right now. You could take this in a different direction, right? And, and, and that seems to be the suggestion. In other words, your limitation, your, the finitude and limit of your kingdom should inspire you to try to make something eternal of it. Not in the physical sense, but in terms of turning your kingdom by, by, to become... By a, putting um, God at the center. By putting God at the center, which is something that especially Chazal pick up on that Nebuchadnezzar had like the potential actually to really recognize that. that, did that in his, which is the irony that Nebuchadnezzar become... Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar... No, it's always like that. Look at Darth Vader, you know? <laughs> the people who are the most conflicted, right? that they're really conflicted, go to the biggest extremes. Look at Achav. Okay. Look at Achav. Achav is conflicted. So what does he do? He goes the most extreme, you know, again. Right, right. Look, yeah. I didn't see that movie, but I heard about it, yeah. But the, 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 the no, it's not my type of thing. But the, the, uh, the, the yeah, like, uh, what'd you say? I said Achir. Yeah, Achir also. All of the people who are conflicted go to an extreme. Because they, don't, they want to deny the side of them that's like the pangs of guilt. They want to deny it. But, and I remember there was a, there was a whole... Oh, right. Tylog is a very good example. Who? Yeah. You know, from no, Kung Fu Panda is the best. Well, it's, 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 Such it's, a good... So there are so many good metaphors in there. So many... Star um, Wars um, does also. I always use Kung Fu Panda with my kids to illustrate ideas. Kung Fu Panda. There's a lot of... There's really a lot of Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda? 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 Kung F